0: on this left hand side it's Patrice Evra
1: oh yes put it down and in it's Patrice Evra where did he come from Solskjaer's got Ever in support here he might have a go oh and it's in
0: and it's their seventh of the night all in towards Patrice Evra my Who drives it from 20 yards out? Patrice Evra has thundered in an
1: absolute rocket. I love this game. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen and alongside me today are Sam and Maisie. Hello, how are you both?
0: All good. All good. I'm fine, thank you. I just keep eating everything. I don't have any food.
2: Yeah, I know. That's the problem. When you're inside, you just keep eating. Yeah. Returning to the fridge regularly. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, Sam, you're very excited about this one today.
0: I'm so excited about this one today. Mm -hmm. Not only have we got a a genuine Manchester United legend, but someone who is so, so good at storytelling. So I think he makes an incredible guest because he's an incredible football player, has had an incredible career, but also will be able to tell his story really well. Mm -hmm. Loving it.
2: Have you met him before, Maisie?
0: Do you know what? I haven't, but...
3: I've spoken to Scalzi numerous uh, numerous occasions about him and um, what you see is what you get with him. Mm -hmm. It's just, I love the fact that every time he speaks about Manchester United, it's always we. Mm -hmm. This is my club and how much he loves football. I'm absolutely buzzing for it. I really am.
2: I really am too. I've spoken to him um, numerous times at the club and as you say, what you see is what you get. Of course, he's had some moments that, maybe have been low moments for him at Manchester United but ultimately the amount of things he's won at this club is incredible
3: yeah he's an absolute superstar he is and when you look at uh, the history of Manchester United he would be the top three or four left backs to play for this club Mm -hmm. easily phenomenal player he's got to be the top one or two isn't he who's better
0: Mm. good question Good question, Sam. Well done. In my lifetime, thank you, in my lifetime, it's him and Dennis Irwin.
2: I was just going to say Dennis Irwin.
0: And I reckon there must, I don't know what year, there's got to be, I think, a generational gap. Is If you were, depending on when you are born, some will say Dennis Irwin, but if you were born a little bit later, you would always say everyone. Yeah. I'm
3: lucky that I've seen a pair of them. And it's mm-hmm. its very difficult to, to split them. We've also got Arthur Alberston in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely made... Shed loads of appearances. Yeah, won, won, won the FA Cups with with United. Hell of a hell of a fullback. That's why I said the three or four. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking at the two, Sam, you would you would certainly look at them too. Definitely. This is very Shall exciting. We get started?
2: I know you're so excited, Sam. The thing is, we've been doing these podcasts for a few months, and we always ask guests who we should get on. and Patrice Ever's name has come up mm-hmm. so many times. Yeah, and I think I think it will live up to the expectations. So. Let's get started.
0: So this is very exciting. We are now joined by someone who we have wanted to get on this podcast since day one. We've talked about who we would have as our dream guest, and I think everybody had this player. (laughs) very high up on their list. We get suggested him all the time by current players, by past players and by you guys who listen. We now have Patrice Evra on the podcast. Patrice, how are you?
1: I'm still alive. I just had a a nice session of gym and I'm doing my fitness program. So yeah, I'm keeping myself busy, you know, during this tough time and uh, yeah, try to make sure myself occupied and, you know, don't go in depression because people talk a lot about this quarantine, being locked down, but I just think about people when they suffer about mentally F, you know, like the anxiety and all those things, you know, we, we forget. Like me, I'm lucky because my brother is here so I can talk with someone, but I'm just thinking about people. They're on their own at home, you know, not talking to anyone, just like face taming people, you know, it must be not easy. So yeah, I keep in mind. I'm, I'm feeling really lucky.
2: Whereabouts are you living, Patrice, at the moment?
1: I am in London. I am in London. London. Yeah, I won't give my postcode because I don't want no. many people, million people, <laughs> to knock my door. But, uh, yeah, you know, just keeping myself busy and respecting and, like, stay home, save life. That's what I'm doing. And uh, I will go up, uh, out only if I need some groceries, something important. But most of the time, to be fair, like, it's been, like, four weeks. Now I've been, like, quarantined really hard.
2: Yeah.
0: Obviously, you've done some podcasts and stuff like that in the past. Our podcast made headlines around the world a couple of weeks ago um, because we had our episode out with Paul Pogba. Yeah. Did you catch any of that?
1: No, I, I heard some some of the stuff, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. But uh, you know, I don't want to talk about um, about Paul. I think he's, he's uh, he will talk himself. So I just want to talk about myself. And yeah, of course, I, I, I heard about it. I, I see some comments. So I know he's a really good friend with Grant uh, So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the podcast was perfect. It was like <laughs> firework everywhere. <Yeah. laughs> did, uh,
0: did you ever find there were people that you felt were overly critical of you when you played?
1: No, to be fair, in my career, I, I, I've been lucky. Apart from some French journalists, you know, when we had this uh, World Cup and this strike, and after I was the most wanted man in, um, in France, it was like two or three journalists. They, they were like, even some of them, they were ex-players. But it's just more about like jealousy and the critics like for, for free. And I don't like that. That's why always when I am uh, being a and people talk about Paul, I was not defending him. You know, people say I'm always protecting him. I'm not protecting him, but sometimes I just think like people, instead of talking about football, they will be talking about the hairstyle, about the lifestyle and stuff like that. And I think it's too easy. Like, I don't want to judge any footballer player. Like, for example, I don't think I will have my crazy Instagram in the time of Sir Alex Ferguson. I just say to the, to the the to the current players, you know, I think you need to prove you need to win something before people even, you know, respect you. Like, I just feel like, I feel sad for the Korean player because when they have a new brand or some stuff, straight away people will say, like, they are not focused on football. They are more focused about their own business. But, you know, it's their private life. But like I say, if you are able to put football is your priority and doing your business on the other side, that's when we can be a, a nice teammate. But if I see one of my teammates He's doing a lot of things outside and not performing in the pitch. I will be the first one to say, man, mm-hmm. you need to wake up. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think Sir Alex would have said if you'd started your Instagram account whilst you were still playing at United?
1: Oh, to be fair, to be fair, I'll be honest with you. I say that, but he's enjoying it so much. People are sending him my videos. I remember the first one when I was doing it, the Bob Marley intro. He was like, oh, Patrice, I laugh so much. When I did the swap face with him and uh, Jason Park and Wayne Rooney, I sent him the picture as well first. He said some words, I won't say them here. (laughs) They were a nice word. But at the end I was like, come on boss, you love this game. And he was like, Patrice, I love you, so it's fine.
2: How long, Patrice, have you had that catchphrase? Has that only started since you've had your Instagram or have you had that a long, long time?
1: No, to, 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 to be fair, is when I was young, you know, I I I I didn't speak like English, and I remember when I was watching the NBA, and they were always writing, "I love this game," but me with my French accent, I was like pretending to be like an American, and I was like, "I love this game," like making always this joke. <laughs> but at the end, when I've done my first video, and it just came natural, you know, I say it, and I've, now is my catchphrase, and uh, like I say, I love this game can. Uh, is many things, is being positive, uh, respecting people, helping each other, being funny, being crazy, being professional. It's everything. Like I said, you can drink something and you feel good and you're like, oh, I love this game. You mean like, I love my life, if you want to translate.
2: Perfect phrase for you because you're always a happy person. Um, if we can just take it back, right back to the start for you. You were born in Senegal but grew up in Europe. I think you, went, you lived in Belgium for a couple of years and then settled in France. Happy childhood for you?
1: Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it was a tough childhood because, uh, you know, I've got many brothers and sisters, so it wasn't easy, uh, living in the street because I was in Paris, but living in the street and sometime I was not even able to have some food. And I remember my brother Dominic was working at the McDonald's. So I was going to, to McDonald's and as his lunch break, he was giving me his own food and I I'm not scared also to say I've begged money in front of shop. I was like in in front of the shop. And when I see some people, I was like, can I have one pound? And sometimes they were giving the money. Sometimes no, just because I wanted to buy a sandwich. So it was a tough, a tough time, but a happy time. I was always happy and always feel lucky. And if I have to change something, I will change anything. I will keep it like that way Mm -hmm. because he built the, the man I am. You know, like some people... When you succeed, they just see the ends. They just see uh, the on the TV. They just see the superstar. But actually, I think like on the street, I learned so much, and he helped me, you know, to to be strong. You know, especially after the World Cup when I was the captain, and a lot of people was blaming, me, but I was still strong because I know on the street I, I I had like tougher time than than what actually you know if the press talking about you. That's why I say to to the player don't be offended don't be when someone talk bad about you he has his own opinion so you have to respect that but I just feel like sometimes some people they just go too far you know
3: Mm -hmm. that always seems to be the case though those players are those people who call you have never kicked a ball and yet they (laughs) but but it's true it's true and it's as if they're absolute superstars but yet you put a ball at their feet and it's so difficult yeah. but growing up as a kid
1: was you outgoing was you a shy kid or no no like a crazy like I, I like to make people laugh I was the one to driving people I was the one like if some of my friends didn't want to play football with me, it will, will end up as a fight. So, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was nice, but tough, you know.
2: <laughs> Where do you come in the the packing order in terms of your brothers and sisters? Are you one of the oldest, one of the youngest?
1: Oh, I'm the, like, same dad, same mom, I'm the last one. Oh. You're the baby. But my, my different friend, brother, half, brother and sister, I am like the third, third last, I will say. Mm-hmm. But I'm the last one. That's why I was the favorite for my mom.
2: <laughs>
1: me too how, how many is in the family then? oh you didn't know no so we are 24 <laughs> right <laughs> my dad never watched TV or maybe he lost the remote but I don't think he was a big fan of the TV so yeah 24 and now I think we are like I will say 76 nephews wow wow Wow! yeah and they all, they all call me Santa <laughs>
2: <laughs> do the majority of your family still live in Paris? Your brothers and sisters?
1: Yeah, 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 majority, yeah. My dad and mom, they are in uh, in Senegal, but uh, my sisters and my brother, most of them live in Paris. I've got a brother here living in London also, mm-hmm. but yeah, most of them are in Paris.
2: So for you, Patrice, was football always your main aim in life? Did you know from a very young age that's what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what it was to be a professional footballer. I played football because of the passion, because of the love. Uh, I've been lucky. Like I remember when I was maybe uh, 14, i I've been to Parc de Princes to see, uh, to watch a game. But I didn't know like playing football, you can win money, is like a a job. You know, I I didn't know all those things. I play football because I just love it. And that's why I, I was keep playing football until 38 because I was just falling, I'm just in love. I'm just that little kid, five years old. Kicking the ball make me happy. But I, I, I didn't know all the, the success around, you know, being a footballer, like the attraction and everything. I didn't know about that. I just play for the passion. That's why now I'm a little bit sad because I don't see kids playing on the street. I have nothing against academy football, you know, but I just feel like my football is from the street. That's where I learn. Yeah. And, and now when you go to an academy football, they tell you how to play two touch, one touch, so if you like someone really skillful or, you know, they will say like, pass the ball. So you lose the, the genius. And if you see now, it's rarely you see like people playing on the street. Yeah, very
0: true. When you were introduced to your first club, that was by a friend, right, who introduced you as Romario.
1: Yeah, no, because I was a big fan of Romario. I was playing uh, number 11, sometimes number nine. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so crazy because I was playing in the street and it was a guy's. I remember his name, Onofrio he was watching us and he come after we were playing with friends. So it was like a friendly game. And he, he was like even a 5 vs. 5, not like 11 vs. 11. And he say like, tomorrow, I will, can I have your home number? I will call your mom because I, I want you to do like a, a trial in, uh, in Torino. And I was like, oh, maybe this guy is just talking, but he won't. And the next day, actually he called my mom. And after two days, I fly to Torino. And I had a trial and I remember I was good and they want to keep me with the under 17. And in the same time, it was a guy from Marsala. And it was uh, like, wow, you know what? We love you so much. You're 17. We're going to give you a professional contract. So can you come to Sicily? And that's where all he starts. So like such a lucky man.
0: But before that, you'd you'd had a few knockbacks, hadn't you, because of your size? Because even, I think you signed for PSG as a winger, and it it didn't work.
1: Yeah, no, no. I want to correct that. I never signed for PSG. I never played (laughs) for PSG. Yeah. And in my, uh, I don't know why, in my career, they always say I play for PSG. I never played for PSG. I was from Paris. But because I was in Sicily, Mm -hmm. and they didn't know, I would say, much about the rest of the world, and they say, "I, I play for PSG but I never played for PSG. I, I, I did a trial, and I remember they say, oh, it's really good, but you are too small, you know, but I never played for PSG. It was just a trial. Did it bother you that people said you were too small? Uh, to be fair, no. It never affect me because I'm someone, I'm really strong, and I, I can accept when someone criticizes me, but I was just like, I will show you, because I remember when I was young, even my friend, they were saying, Patrice, you will never like, become a top footballer player. You know, because this is like only lucky, is the people they have like contact, is not people from the street, they're gonna become big players. I was like, you will see. And I remember even my teacher at school, you know, when you, uh, the first day they asked you what you wanna become, and everyone was saying lawyers or doctors, you know, or even cop, lot of things. And I was like, I want to become a footballer player. And everyone was laughing. And the teacher, even herself, she was like, but Patrice, do you think in 300 kids, they're going to pick you. And I was like, yes. And everyone was laughing, even the teacher. And at the end, I don't want to have any revenge against that teacher. I just want her to don't kill the dreams of kids. Mm. When you have a dream, go for it. People, like, they need to help you to believe in your dream. If you want to be the, the president of, uh, of uh, American State, no matter what, of France, just do it. And I don't like people when they put you down. And that teacher really put me down, but I don't have, any revenge against her. I just want her to don't tell that to another kid because mentally I was so strong then it didn't affect me. But not everyone is really strong mentally.
3: I had a similar thing with my careers officer when I was about to leave school. Mm. And I said exactly the same thing. Everybody went in, wanted to be you know, lawyers or you know, work in a bank. Or, and I said the same thing. I'm going to play football. And the same, exact, near enough word for word, she said exactly the same. Yeah, but everybody wants to, all kids want to play football. <laughs> exactly. I said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play football. And as you say, that, that determination yeah. to actually, so she said to me at the end of it, so if you're not going to be a footballer, what will you be? I said, I'll be a lorry driver. And she must have given me about that much info on lorry driving. Wow. And as soon as I left the room, I just threw it in the bin because I thought I don't even want to be a lorry driver. That's what I mean.
2: What would you have been, Patrice, if you didn't play football?
1: I always say a babysitter and people laugh about it. A <laughs> nanny. I remember at the beginning I, said, I will be a nanny and, and uh, my kids and people laugh about it, but they're called yeah, mannies. Mannies? <laughs>
3: mannies.
1: <laughs> oh I love
2: that. <laughs> so talk to us about going to Italy then. Was that scary for you, Daunting?
1: Oh, it was uh it was a, a crazy experience, but to be fair, I have one of my best years in Italy. I was uh, 17. And I remember um, it was crazy because I go to Torino and I fly back with, uh, with a plane. But when Marsala is a team in Sicily, they want me and I sign with them. I came back to, to France. And after I, I need to take a train from uh, Paris to uh, Milan and after took another train to join them because they were in pre-season. So that journey was just crazy. I remember I, was, I arrived at the train station uh, with no cell phone with my tickets and my own number writing in a paper. And I came and I looked those big panels, you know, like the old movie when the panel, like they changed the letter every time to say, to see where is your next train. And I was looking and I didn't see my train. And he was um, a guy's, and actually at the end I know he's from Senegal, he came, he said, what's happened with you? I said, I don't know. And I show him my ticket. He said, oh, your, your tickets, uh, your train left uh, one hour ago. I was like, wow. So I started I start, uh, panicking and he was like, okay, don't worry, I will call uh, your mom and I gave him the number and he called. And he said to my mom, look, I am with your son. Uh, I'm a stranger, I don't know him, but don't worry, I will take care of him. He, he missed his train. And my mom started crying. She was like putting back in the train. He need to go, come back to Paris. And he was like, no, don't worry, I will take care of him and everything. And my mom was like, so like crying on the phone. I was like, no, mommy it will be okay. And that man. that's why if I can't find that person, I know a million of people will say it was me, but I recognize him exactly. He take me to his home. I remember he was one, uh, just one room. He was like five people. We sleep in the same mattress, in the same room. They feed me. In the morning, he wake me up and he put me, he, he take me to the train station. I go to the, I was inside the train and I remember it was two none. And because I didn't speak Italian, so every time I was, like, coming, sorry, this is the station, this is the name of the station, they were like, no, tranquilo, tranquilo, it's okay. It's the next one, it's the next one. So I remember I arrived to the station. I think that the name it was, like, maybe Georgia, something like that. And no one was there. No bench, just the wind. And I wait 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, start being like that. No like three hours. I was on my own, no phone. And I remember the car, one car came. And he was like, oh, schools, I'm so sorry. They say you missed the, uh, the train. We didn't know you will arrive. So finally, I see him. I remember I hug him. I said, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And we go to the hotel. And when we arrived to the hotel, I remember all my teammates, they were already like uh, having dinner. And they said, go to your room and change, put uh, the tracksuit and everything. And that's one of the best days of my life. Wow. I arrived in my room the tracksuit on the bed, the like the trainers. And I remember I was like in the front of the mirror. I was like feeling like it's Christmas. So I was looking myself, feeling so proud. And I come downstairs. And when I come downstairs everyone clapped me and my teammate, they give me a warm welcome. And I remember it was the first time for me to see like two folk on the side, two knife and people were serving food. So for me, it was just like, you know, from the street to that. And I remember they allowed me to call my mom. I called my mom, I said, wow, mommy, this is the paradise. We are all dressed the same. People are serving us food. You know, it's just amazing. I was living my best life. And these are my best memory, no matter if I win the championship and stuff, but those moments were my best memory. Wow.
0: Is it crazy to think how how quickly you went from, like you just said yourself, begging on the streets in front of shops to that moment because you were still a teenager.
1: No, yeah, I, w- I was 17. But it, it was like, when I, I, I arrive and I see I, was, I will have my own room and all those stuff, for me, it was like, that's it. I don't need any more. I don't need anymore. I was living my, my best life. And, you She's know, my, 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 my mom. like I remember the first day she came to, to watch me play a game she cries, she cries straight away. And it, it wasn't easy. And that's why, you know, I will talk a little bit about the racism. And I think I had my best uh, moment in Sicily. People were so warm, but I was the only black player in all the team. So for them, it was like more like they never see a black person. I will tell you a story. And it's a true story. <laughs> when I arrived to, uh, uh, to Sicily, because this was the president, when I arrived to Sicily, I remember when I arrived to the airport, like it was one man with his kid and he, they were looking at me and I was like, wow, I'm already famous, you know. <laughs> he was looking and he said, can I have a picture? I was like, yes, of course. But after I see his child was starting to touching my skin, you know, and I was like, why is he touching me? He said, no, because we never see like a, a black person. So they were like so in shock. And I remember when I, the first time I, I, I showed my mobile phone Some of my teammates, I'll be honest, they they think I didn't know it worked. Because when I turned on the TV, I saw what they were watching. They were watching like people, like black people, like on the forest, living in the forest. So they think everyone was like that. So that's why racist sometimes, people is more like about ignorance. You know, and like I say, that they never, uh, I never have any racist abuse when I was playing for, for Marsala. I mean, for my town, but of course, when I was playing against, against him, they were like throwing some banana and making the monkey nose. But more they were doing that, I was even playing much better and I was hurting them like even more. But that's why I mean. Like I think if I didn't grow up in the street, I don't know if I, oh, I will react to all those mm. episodes, you know, being on your own and stuff like that. Yeah. It wasn't easy. To be fair, like when I remember the referee was blowing the whistle and I was like, Feeling so heavy and I was on my own, on my balcony. Sometimes I cried because I was like, what I'm going to do now is nothing to do here. And I was just, you know, living about football. Just,
0: I, I think it, we should touch on some of the stuff you just spoke about then. But I don't know if you noticed, your story made Helen cry.
1: So I thought no, I was going to No, I'm come sorry, on. I didn't want to. I was like, wow, well, guys, you invite me in the postcard. Normally, I make people cry of laughing and being funny. Yeah, I was
2: thinking, this
1: is going to be the happiest but hour now, of he's, my life. He's crying and I feel <laughs> little, little, little... I'm sorry about that. Uh, but okay. That's a true story, and this is my story, and uh, yeah.
2: Very touching.
0: How did you possibly, possibly cope at such a young age with people throwing bananas and
1: things at you? Because that's horrific. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I know, and it still happened. Uh, maybe now but it, it, it's something like I was so strong mentally then I was like guys if they do that it's because they fear me because they scare me yeah. because they know I, I can hurt them so more they were doing that to be fair more I was like feeling good more I was like running faster and hurting them but yeah like I say not everyone is strong mentally but I, I'm lucky I feel myself lucky
0: you're all right,
2: Helen yeah sorry I just want to ask you it's more
1: it's more that story to come so I hope you're ready oh no
2: <laughs> I didn't even prepare myself with a tissue oh, yeah. so you only stayed in Italy for a short time and then you moved back uh, to France to Nice to Nice yeah was it a difficult decision for you to make to go back what, what was your thinking at that time no, no no no
1: it's really it's really simple because after Massa, I seen for Monza and I didn't play many game. like the manager didn't like he was more playing the senior player than the young players and we fall out, and I, I uh, meet my uh, agent Federico Pastorello, and uh, he was the vice president of uh, IS, of Nice. Sorry, of Nice, and he said, "Patrice, um, you know what? If you want, we can go to uh, to Nice, and I will give you a little salary, and you can play." And uh, I was okay. Why not? Because when I play for Marsala, I was so good that asked Roma come. And uh, it was Inter Milan and AC Milan. And the story why I didn't sign for those clubs is because the guys who, I will say, see me playing on the street, that guy's on a frio jamarese and he owned a restaurant in Paris. When I signed for Marsala, he signed a paper and I was his, his uh, property. So when I wanted to sign for AC Milan and I, I, I've gone to AS Rome and I see the training ground and everything with my mom, my brother. But when we came back, no news. And after the director, I remember he called me. He said, "Patrice, uh, you know, it's too many people are calling us. Too many people want money. Too many people. They say they are you are their own property." And I was like, "Wow, I'm 17. I'm not, you know, the property of no one." And they actually he signed a paper, and I'm I'm lucky because um, uh, I wasn't 18, so that paper didn't count in France. Mm. But actually, they make me sign a paper when I was a priority because I remember my salary. I was earning like £100 per month, but all the rest of the money was going to those people. But I didn't know that. So yeah, I had this uh, problem and it was like the mafia involved as well. They threatened my agent. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy. So I went to Nice and it was the best thing for me to do. And of course, uh, we get promoted in the, uh, in, the, in the first league. And after I signed for Monaco and Manchester.
0: I can't just ignore that. How did the mafia end up getting involved and threatening your agent?
1: Because the, the guys, he know like some people from the mafia and when my agent comes, they call him and they say, look, this kid is not your kid, it's our own kid, it's our property. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you take him back to France. So they, they scare him. They scare him for his life and everything. And I remember even when I um, signed for, for Monaco, I needed to to hide myself for one month with my uh, agent in his flat because I received so many like call, like people threatening me to death and stuff like that. So it wasn't it wasn't he was tough. Even they were like saying we're gonna broke your legs if you if you don't give us some money back. So it wasn't easy. Wow, that's crazy.
0: What's what's really interesting here is that people that have listened to all of our podcasts might have picked up on this as well. Is obviously you grew up in France. Dimitar Berbatov grew up in Bulgaria, but there are some remarkable similarities in your tales. Because when he was younger, he had a queue to get bread and he was kidnapped to try and get uh, signed to a football
1: club. Oh, that's crazy. I think Dimi, D- is like, we, we have a similar, that's why I'm, I'm really connected also with, with Dimi, But people didn't know that until we don't tell them. It's the first time I, I tell it. You know, I'm reading, my, I'm doing my book. It's, it's already uh, one year ago, but it's not coming out yet. Because I want people to see the real You know, Patrice, Mm -hmm. what I'm not a victim. I'm not feeling sad. I don't want any people to to give me much love because I'm telling those things. I'm just telling my true story. I just want to motivate more kids. They never give up no matter what will happen. You know, if you believe you're going to become someone, if you walk out, if you believe in yourself, you're going to do it. That's it.
0: Uh, The next chapter of your story is that you moved to Monaco but during this period of the last few years is it right that you'd had a few arguments with your managers because they wanted to play you at left back but you wanted to play centre forward?
1: Oh he was crazy yeah he's (laughs) Sandro of I'm still in touch with him I remember when I came to to Nice I was really arrogant Uh, I think I was like Zidane and when I arrived I said like oh yeah I need the number 10 Uh, you know I was like so like confident, and this manager, he helped me so much. Because I remember I was with my cap, and when I say hi to him, I didn't take off my cap, he didn't shake my hands. So I was like, what, What's wrong with this guy? And after he started to say, I will shake your hand when you take off your cap, I was like, Wow, that's a good start. So we have a lot of friction. Like, we have a lot of friction with this manager. Even one day, I remember he didn't select me, uh, he didn't pick me for traveling with the team. <laughs> it's really bad what I did with uh, keys. I go in his car and I just like do a massive Aww. line. I'll be, I'll be honest, yeah, I've not been good every time. I've done a massive line on his car. And the funny, funny part is when I, I stand up, who was coming him. And I was like, wow, if you see me, I'm done. But he didn't see, he didn't see anything. Does but, he know now? I don't know. He must be think like he's somebody <laughs> else. But actually, Sandro, he was me. So don't be mad. <laughs> so, so, no, we have like a really, really strong relation. But I didn't trust him. He didn't trust me. And at the end, he was like, you know what, Patrice? You're going to play more because you're doing more effort. Like, when I talk to you, you don't answer back. That's why I hate when the manager talks and I see one of the players in the dressing room like answering back, no, because of... I'm like, when the manager talks, be quiet. Because this manager, I remember, sometimes was like, Patrice, why you, you didn't do that? I was, no, because I think... And he was going mad, throwing everything, <laughs> the boots in the... So, you know, I, I, I grew up with this kind of, um, I will say, education. And one game, I remember, we play I played uh, midfield, left, I was a winger. And the left-back get injured. I played the last 15 minutes uh, left-back. I played very well. We won the game 2-1. And the next day, was like, I want to say well done to everyone, but especially to Patrice because it's not his position and you do very well. So everyone clap. I was like, thank you, guys. <laughs> and uh, the Friday before the, the game on Saturday, he gave the beeps to everyone. And he said, Patrice, you're playing left-back. And I was like, no. I'm not a left back. My arrogance, came back. I was no, I'm not left back. I'm a winger or striker, but no left back. He was like, okay, if you don't play left back, you don't play. I was like, no, okay, okay. Even maybe, even goalkeeper, I can play, okay, to, to stay on the team. <laughs> so I play. I play very well again. And every time he was like talking to me, you know why you're playing well? I was like, no, he said, because you always like grumpy after the game. You're never happy, even when you play well. I was, I'm not happy because this is not my position. He said, yes, it's not your position, but trust me, you're going to be really successful in this position. And at the end, he was right. He
0: was right.
2: That's incredible.
3: We spoke to Scalzi a few weeks ago in a similar podcast, and he said the same thing. He started up front as a center forward, then he ended up as a number number 10. And then he found his position. He even actually played left-back for a season in the youth. Wow! Do you always think, looking back now, you think, yeah, because when I was growing up, I was a centre-forward, and then I was midfield, then I went to goalkeeper, but then it ended up a centre-half. <laughs> I think eventually
1: you just find your place. Hmm. No, but me too, to, to be honest, I never enjoyed playing left-back until I joined United. If you want me to be honest with you, even in Monaco, I went to the Champions League final, French national team, uh, being named like three times in the world the best left back in, in France but I wasn't happy <laughs> but when I came no I'll be honest when I came to United and I even said to, to to the boss you know boss uh, Justin I I can't play winger he was like Patrice we buy you because i left back <laughs> is Here you're going to play left back and no winger you can run but make sure you like the same way you're running forward you have the same way you are backwards so I play I wasn't happy at the beginning. It was nice. But when I feel the fun, when I was doing a tackle and they were like clapping me, like the way if you score a goal and, that's when I start to enjoy it. That's when I start to going in the gym to feeling like stronger and everything. And I was like, okay, actually being left back is no bad.
2: How long did it take you to settle into that position?
1: Left back, or I think really it, it? Is a, is a, no, it's a really difficult position because at the beginning, even in first, like if you attack too much, people will say, okay, you can't defend. Yeah. If you defend, they will say you can't attack. Yeah. So you need to find the right balance. And I think I find the right balance only when I play for Manchester United. Because in Monaco, I didn't want to defend at all. I was like the same line as a striker. And I remember DJ Deschamps sometimes was like, Patrice, maybe your religion, like uh, uh, you don't allow you to defend. What's wrong with you? And I, I didn't want to run back, but <laughs> I didn't have the choice, With Alex yeah, good <laughs> so Alex <laughs> <laughs> Ferguson. So
0: before we get fully into your career at United, your, your final season at Monaco, you were made vice-captain. You made it to, to the Champions League final, losing out to Jose Mourinho's awesome. Porto. What was that time in your life like when you started playing for the French national team and you started getting linked to some really big clubs around Europe?
1: Oh, I was like, I'm the best left back. I'm a, a massive superstar. You know, all the things, like, I was like, yeah. My agent, I remember when my agent came and he said, Patrice, you know, Liverpool, Inter again, Manchester United are interested. I was like, yeah, OK, that's... Good news, but like easy. I know Manchester, I, I'll be honest, I, I was following Manchester United because of Eric Cantona. So I was like, I didn't know big was Manchester United. I was more like focused on Cantona. And I remember like my agent said, but Patrice, do you know you're going to sign for Manchester United? I was like, ah, it's okay. You know, it's no, no problem. <laughs> and he was like, Patrice, but you need to be ready. I said, don't worry. I got it. And I remember <laughs> I signed in uh, <laughs> in January. I was living in Monaco. I just had uh, my 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 son Lenny. He was only uh, three months. So first of all, I remember when I fly to Manchester, I fly on the little plane. It was raining. I arrived to the hotel. I think Worsley Hotel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah yeah, 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 in Marriott. yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. So
1: I arrived there. I remember Vidic was there. And I was like, wow, it was raining. And I remember my wife called me and said, oh, is it? Oh, I said, oh, it's really nice. (laughs) Uh, It's nice. You see, like, wow, people are so (laughs) nice. So warm. Yeah, it's perfect. But I remember it was, like, tough. My first six months was tough. My my son just came, just born. We live in the hotel for six months. It was, like, cold the training where like the football was so different, the speed, everything. I remember every time I was backing uh, to the hotel, my wife was like, what have you done to us? Crying and saying, what have you done to us? So (laughs) (laughs) it was such a tough time, but yeah.
0: That was crazy. (laughs) I remember the pictures of you arriving in that jacket. Oh. So the jacket is what I remember. <laughs> you I tried to it? sell
1: that jacket. No one, even for free, <laughs> no one won <want> that jacket. To <laughs> <laughs> in the museum. Oh, yeah. But to be, to, be, to be honest, like I say, I didn't know where I was going. And people in my agent say, oh, it's cold in Manchester. So I went to that shop and I buy that, wow, that really bad jacket. <laughs> and the guys was like, oh, yes, you look very good. But soon as I went out of the shop, I swear the jacket was double my size. And I was like, wow, these guys, you know, to sell things. And yeah, I sell with I I signed for United with that jacket. But yeah, that jacket, I have a crazy story. Did you ever speak to Eric before you joined United? No. Nothing? That's the thing that uh, I never... It's when uh, I think uh, he came for the first time in Old Trafford and I meet him and I was like, wow. Because if you see... When we win the first, uh, when I fi- win my first uh, league, I was with the French flag, and it was the picture of uh, Eric in the middle. Eric and I was actually I was dedicate my first um, first uh, league for for Eric for a simple reason because in my head, even when I meet him, I meet him like um, I think maybe like seven months ago, and I was like, you know what? Every time I play, I was playing with a massive pressure because I was like I wanted to respect what you have done because he opened the door for the French player and I was wanting to make sure you know I respect that tradition and I remember Eric gave me one of the best compliments he said wow Patrice you, you, you do more than leaving that door open so, so well done and I was like you know having that compliment for, from the king it was just uh, I was just like so happy.
3: Wow that's so cool.
2: <laughs> what about meeting Sir Alex Ferguson and your teammates for the first time? What was oh. that like?
1: <laughs> I will be honest with you. The first time Sir Alex Ferguson talked with me, it was at the half time with the Derby, Derby game, my first game against Manchester City. And he just shouted on me so many words. And the only things I understand is like, you're not coming back in the pitch. He was like, now you stay here. And you watch and you learn the English football. Yeah, that was his uh, first word. So.
2: Did you not speak to him before that, though?
1: We, I met him. I meet him in Paris yeah. uh, with David Gill, you know, before I signed. But my English wasn't, and he was with Carlos Cario. So Carlos Cario was talking French and he was like translating. But no, the boss didn't speak with me. I told you the first time he spoke with me was during this 45 half-time. minutes. Half-time. That's when I know who was so <laughs> experienced.
2: Did you understand what he was saying?
1: Oh, yeah, I don't think he was nice because the way he was like <laughs> shouting and giving the hairdryer, he <laughs> wasn't a nice thing for me.
2: And what, what about your teammates who helped you and welcomed you to the club at the no, very start? That,
1: no, Gary Neville, I always say that. I remember Gary Neville, he was the one to, to come with me when I even have to like uh, do some views for, for a flat and stuff like that. He was so, so, so nice with me. But after, of course, Mikel Silvestro Luisa, because they are, they are French, uh, Gixi, but I remember Rio, and, uh, and I always tell them that, Rio and uh, Waza and Wayne, they were laughing uh, at me at the training when people, when I was like going on the floor and stuff like that, and I remember even before, again, it was like a warm-up, and we do a little box, and I remember I, I fall, and when we do the stretching, they were laughing at me, and I was looking at them, and I was like, wow, guys, I'm going to show you real who is the real Patrice? Like I can't accept even my, my teammates are laughing at me, you know. But I, I tell them that and they laugh about it. But to be fair, those things motivate me so much. Yeah.
0: What did you think of your teammates when you did your first training sessions? Did the quality seem what you expected it to?
1: <laughs> the first training session ended up with uh, Ferguson have to stop the, the training session because Ronaldo fight with uh, Van <laughs> and uh, so, so that <laughs> that's what my first training session I think he, he, we end like training only 30 minutes so no I was like feeling so good that's why I scored like even a great goal the boss was like wow you know Patrice is ready and everything but I don't think I was ready. <laughs> Did you think, oh, this is
0: going to be what training's like every week?
1: Yeah, I was like, it's so easy. It was like easy. But trust me, when I play, it was the first time in my life I play at 12 o'clock. Because you, I know people know this story. I say this story many times, but that's the truth. And nine o'clock, it was the breakfast. And I remember I see Mikel, Silvestro and Luisa eating pasta, eating beans for the first time, like eggs. I was like, okay, I will try the same. And I'm, I'm not a big fan of breakfast. I can have a couple of tea and that's it. And I start eating, like then, because I said maybe I need like, you know, some energy. And <laughs> I went to my room, I feel sick. I start vomiting, sweating. And I was like, wow, if I call the manager now and say I can't play, he will say, wow, this, this player, he don't have the, you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, you know what? I won't say anything. I will play. That's one of my worst mistakes. Came, warm up, sunny. I was feeling heavy, tired. And I remember the first five minutes, I play against uh, St. Clair. And he my, and I was like bleeding, like bleeding my eyes. I remember he hit bowed me. I was like bleeding. And it was uh, a corner kick. I was against the post. And you know when you have a bubble like up on your head, like you start thinking about <laughs> I was like, what the hell I'm doing here? I was in Monte Carlo chilling <laughs> it's like the football is so fast oh my god you're so dumb Patrice you should back to Monte Carlo I remember thinking that and the worst the worst part is when the game was uh, finished and um, we go back to my uh, to my flat with my agent and his wife and my agent look at me like this and he said Patrice I'm sorry I was like "Why?" He' some story to bring you here. You he will never make it. It's wow. to too hard. You should stay in Monte Carlo in front of his wife. That day, I was uh, so bad, I feel so embarrassing, like my agent actually telling me I shouldn't never bring you to Manchester United. I was like, OK guys. So yeah, I have all these tough moments, and uh, they helped me to become who I am.
0: Did you keep him as your agent?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, after that, we, we, stay, we stay together because what I like about him is like he's honest. Yeah. He's not those kind of Asian they say to the player, like, oh, you play a great game. Everything is good. I remember every time, every game, he was telling me, Patrice, you missed the ball here. You missed the pass. Why, why? If some people were listening to me and him, they would say we are crazy because that game, I was just named man of the match. But that's why the kind of relationship I had with my Asian, he was telling me, Everything. It was not every time, oh, Patrice, you're the best, you're the nice one. No. He was telling Patrice, this game you play so bad or stuff like that. Did you realise how big Manchester United was before you actually joined? Oh, no. Oh, no. I told you, like, I remember first time I visited the, the stadium and I was like, wow, what's going on here? And I remember it was a cup game. Me and Vidic, we, we couldn't play yet. And I said to Luisa, because we play against the fifth division, and I was like, people will come at uh, the stadium. And Louis was like, Patrice, if you don't need your tickets, give it to me. And 76,000 people for a cup game. That's when I, I look around, I was like, what the hell I am. I used to play in front of 8,000 people when he was full in, Mon- in Monaco. And imagine now playing in front of 76,000. I was like, okay, Patrice, this is a different story. When I first joined United, obviously I knew because playing in England, but I found Manchester
3: United was so big when you actually go abroad, when you when you go on preseason, yeah,
1: and you have thirty thousand people watching you train. You're like, what on earth is going on? No, but but exactly. But to be fair, when I start playing few games and I see the impact, like you know, all around the world, that's why I know like Manchester United is bigger than this. But even like. You know, when we go in the preseason, we go to the hospital, to the orphanage, you, know, yeah. you know, seeing the people, like, stuff like that. I was like, that's why me, Manchester United, is not a football club. It's a family. It's education, yeah. you know. I, when I'm doing my code badges, and they let me talk with the under 16, the under 18, and the under 21, I had, a, like, uh, a meeting with them. And I remember they, they showed my trophy and stuff, and I didn't talk about anything about football. I talk about life, about education. Mm-hmm. I say, guys, you don't know how lucky you are to come to this club. You're having some food, clothes, some kids, they don't have food, they don't have clothes. So make sure you respect the chef, the person they're cleaning, the, the building, the same way you respect your teammate, your manager, and even the owner. And that's the way I see Manchester United. That's, for me, that's the DNA. That's also even Ferguson used to say. But, me, it was inside myself. Like, uh, this club is more than a club because he let me be myself. What I love with Ferguson, he said, Patrice, if you want to be strong, if you want to be arrogant, if you want be yourself, but make sure the priority is the team. And he let you be free. He let you be yourself, Ferguson. But yeah, you want to see if the priority is the team, you know.
2: So the first couple of games, few games, you didn't enjoy. Your agent said you weren't going to make it. How did you pick yourself up from that?
1: But of course, like I played the first six months. It was really difficult and I didn't make it for the World Cup and Mikel Silvestre instead go to replace me and Luisa. So it was like really hurting to see like my teammate going to the World Cup and I'm not going to, but I deserve it because I was not playing well. And during the summer, I remember I back to Monaco, I was in the gym Walking so hard and looking, watching the World Cup, they made it to the final. They lost against Italy, but this built so much anger and so. Because when I arrived to Manchester, I never go to gym because in Monaco, just with my skill, my pace, it was enough. But when I arrived in England, I was like, oh, okay. The football here is not about being skillful; it's about being strong first. Strong, and you will see. So I went to the gym all the summer. I worked so hard. And finally, I did a normal preseason with Manchester United. We went in South Africa. And I remember Mick Feelan was the first person to tell me, he said, Patrice, he shake my hands after a game. He said, Patrice, now you're a Manchester United player. And from that, I just go like boom, boom, boom.
0: Yeah, I mean, you did. Yeah. It was incredible, your, your rise. Did, did you feel like something had changed when you scored your second goal for the club in that 7-1 win against Roma? Um, and that was a sensational season. Uh, but I mean, everything clicked in that game.
1: No, but I think like Ferguson, always when you talk with him, he said, this is, was the perfect game. Because it's not any perfect game. But I think this game, everything we, we do, it was like 100% accurate. It's one of the, one of the most beautiful games. Like, I remember because I started on the bench and, and uh, the boss said, Patrice, you're going to come in, but you're going to come as a right back and you're going to score a goal. He even told me that. I came as the right back because you can see it's, uh, it's always soccer give me the, the assist and I shoot and, and I scored and we won the 7-1. But the atmosphere was so electric. The stadium, the fan, everything was connected that day because I remember we, we I think we lost 2-1 against Rome, the first leg and the Italian people were like, oh, uh, Rome is such a big team. They're going to destroy us. But wow, that day, I know what he means playing at Ultraford is It's the theatre of dream for us, but it's the theatre of nightmare for the opposite team. Mm. Even as, I remember uh uh says, Philippe Philip he said, Patrice, I was shaking. He say like, when I had the ball, he say, I kicked the ball in the, in the stand because he was shaking. The, the atmosphere, he was, this game was like too much. Wow.
0: That's amazing. I suppose as a defender, you want a clean sheet, but De Rossi's goal was pretty special as well.
1: No, of course. And it was a great goal. And, but, you know, Champions League, mm-hmm. big second, leg, 7-1. I think that's when people start to say like, wow, this team is like, mm-hmm. it's a big team. They start to respect us even more in Europe.
2: You've obviously won so many trophies. What was it like to win your first one at the club?
1: Oh, I was, uh, I was uh, like a kid. I remember because I was in Michael Silvestro's house. We were watching the game. And I think it was like Chelsea playing. And if they lost or throw the game, we were already champion. And I think they lost. So we were champion. And I start jumping. And Mikel was looking at me like, what the hell is doing this guy? You know, <laughs> because we already like won four, four league. And I was like, yes, I was screaming. And he was like, Patrice, chill, calm down. And, you know, the, 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 the feeling was like, I think your first one is so amazing. Yeah. I think some, and I, I'll be honest, when you start winning the third one, the fourth, and the fifth, you celebrate, but not the same way. You celebrate, you know, because it's a camera. And th- but I think inside, because that's the thing. Ferguson, he, I, I think he teach you all to, to be as a robot. I think I wasn't a human being playing for Manchester United. When we won game, when I was doing something good, I wasn't pleased. For me, it was like something normal. I always say, like, uh, Deschamps teach me, like, winning is something important. But Ferguson, he was like, winning is something normal. And I remember after big games, sometimes we win against Liverpool, he was like, come clap you, well done, son. Well done, son. He never come and scream apart when we win the Champions League final. But, you know, it was just like something normal winning the league.
2: (laughs) What were your celebrations like when you won the league then? So the first one you celebrated lots. Did you celebrate with your teammates?
1: Oh yeah, I came back the next day and I see people, they weren't excited like I was. So... I was like, okay, Patrice, I think you need to calm yourself down. Like, this club is normal <laughs> to win the league. You know what? Go, go start in training, go in the gym, do something. Because here, like, they don't care. You win the league, it's well done, it's normal. Because, next
2: day, something Yeah, else. the next yeah. day.
1: Because one of my, one of my uh, <laughs> big, I will say, uh, uh, upset is when we won the, the league and the Champions League in 2008. I think that day... I was like, wow, Sir Alex Ferguson is something else. So we win the Champions League, Moscow. We had a little party in Moscow, but it wasn't like a massive one. In the plane, I was with, um, I put the music, and I remember Scholesy, uh, Gixi, Patrice, people want to sleep. I said, guys, we won the league, the Champions League, and you tell me to be <laughs> quiet? No chance. I remember I was putting the song American Boys in, in the plane, like singing. So we arrived, we learned, and I was expecting like a massive parade. Because some players, they say, no, it won't be a parade because it's some issue with the police. and I said, no, guys, no chance. We want the championship. We have to have a massive parade. <laughs> we learned. I look through the window. I see like nobody was waiting. Nobody was there. <laughs> I said, okay. And I see the bus, Oh, bus, next to the plane. I was like, okay, where are we going? So we get to the bus. And I remember Ferguson take the mic. Well done, guys. I'm really proud of you. Uh, we win the Champions League, the league. But next year, if someone doesn't want to win again, I will uh, cut his contract. Enjoy, enjoy your, your summer with your national team and I don't wish you good luck. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish you good luck. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, That's why this pitch of winning the Champions League in 2008. And I remember I arrived home I dropped my bag. I remember I was like, to my brother. I was like, this is, this is the feeling to win the Champions League. But actually, he just like, tell you like, winning is something normal and you shouldn't be excited about it.
2: Is that what you would say, something you really learned from him? What would be the biggest thing you learned from Sir Alex?
1: Wow, this is so many things to learn. No, I think what I learned about him is loyalty and his door was always open. Always open. I remember one game, he, uh, no, before a training session, he came, he said, Patrice, can you come? And I go to his office. He said, What do you think we should play in Europe? We should like play 4 3 3 or we keep the 4 4 2? And I was like, Wow, boss, you're asking me, I'm the little freshman, like about tactic, you know? He was like, oh, What's your opinion, Patrice? And I said, okay, I think if we play like four three three, we have like so many like players so fast. We were like 90, a lot of people. We can hurt team in Europe. And he was like, oh, thank you, son. I was thinking the same. And the, the next game we play in Champions League, we play 4-3-3. Three, three. So Ferguson, you know, he's a really strict and really hard manager, but he opened you the door. When he knows you're going to be loyal for the club and you're going to die for the club, Ferguson gave you everything.
0: Mm-hmm. So after winning the Champions League, lots of league titles followed. But in that period, you were probably, would certainly, in England, I think around the world, considered the best left-back on the planet. Were you aware of that? Did you feel like you'd hit a real height because the Champions League wins didn't continue?
1: Yeah, but I wasn't uh, I was aware of that. But suddenly all the arrogance, the you know, when I was playing in France, I was like, Patrice, but this is your level. This is your level. You have to play this level. That's why I say it's so difficult to play for Manchester United. You need the character before the talent. Because I say you can... Be, and I, I respect every each club. But that's was my mentality in, in the Manchester. I was like, if you play for Manchester United uh, a good game, they will say it's a bad game. When you play a, a really good game, that's where they will say it's a good game. So... Even when you play a good game, they say it's a bad game. But maybe when you play to another team, the good game you play with them, they will say, oh, you're playing very good. But Manchester, they will say, no, it's not enough. Because we had to win. I remember for seven years, for seven years in the road, I never lose by playing two games in the road. That was like, I can't lose two games in the road. And it's when I think uh, uh, David Moyes, or even before with Ferguson, and the first time I lose two games in the road, like league game, for me it was like a catastrophe. It was like a disaster. So to tell you the level, that's the level. That's why when I see like some player, they're complaining because people are criticizing or I'm like, guys, but this is the United Standard. People want you to win every game. If you draw a game, it was like the end of the world. Mm. And now you're even allowed to lose like even sometimes three games. So <laughs> say like thank you.
0: Do you think it was that attitude that trusted Sir Alex to give you the armband? and captain aside
1: oh it, 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 it was like crazy I remember yeah it's the attitude of course the leadership the attitude and it was before the game uh, against Wolfsburg in Champions League and he was with Mick Phelan and sitting and uh, he said Patrice uh, tomorrow you're the captain and I was like what you know what, boss, let me think about it. I go to sleep and tomorrow <laughs> I, I let you know. And was, you're such a French term. <laughs> 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 and, and I was like, and that's it. And after that day, you know, I've been the captain. And to be fair, I think he's in 2000, uh, I think 2010, after 2010. And uh, Real Madrid came with a massive uh, offer. I was end of contract with, um, with uh, United. And the boss said, Patrice, you know what? Uh, you won't leave. You can do whatever you want, but you won't leave. I say, okay, speak with my agent, make the deal, and, uh, and uh, I may stay. And I remember after the World Cup in 2010, Manchester United was in pre-season in, uh, in Chicago. And I called the boss. I said, boss, I will sign for Madrid. And he was like, no, but before that, come to see me. But I am in Chicago, Patrice. I don't think you will come. And I remember I take a plane straight away. I went to Chicago. The boss was so in shock to see me and he see how serious I was. And he came, he said, "Now you know what, Patrice, we're back in one week in Manchester and I will give you a final answer. But trust me, I am on your side. I will help you no matter what you need. I will say, boss, the only things I need is you to let me go. And anyway, I, I'm, I'm end of contract. So you will have to let me go. And he was like, okay, don't worry. Have a nice weekend. I give you even an extra week of holiday and everything. So I'm back to Carrington. I went to Carrington and I say, where's the boss? Everyone said, no, the boss is not in today. So I was like, wow, he told me to come today and he's not in. Well, the next day, <laughs> I remember I was so angry. I was interested. And I come, I knock the door of his office. Come on. Oh, Patrice, how are you? Of course, like, Oh, are you, I wait, you, I'm waiting for you yesterday. No, but you know, but what do you want? I was like, oh, what I, what, what I want. I want to know if you're going to let, he said, Patrice, I'm really sorry. I f- I'm trying to look everywhere and not the left back, but I can't find a left back like you. I was like, well, of course, because you're going to find a different one. No one <laughs> like me, because I'm unique and another one is unique, you know. And he was like, yeah, shake my hand, Patrice trust me, you have to sign another four years. I was like, wow, boss, you know, I'm already telling my wife we're leaving. All, he was like, shake my hands. You sign another four years. I shake his hand, another four years. But when he shake my hands, he said, Patrice, I'm really sorry. I will uh, give the album to Nemanja Vidic because you, you wanted to leave, even if I know inside you didn't want to leave United, but you tried. And because of that, I don't know if you're still loyal for the club. So I will give the number to uh, Nemanja Vidic.
2: Did that hurt?
1: No, I was like, I was happy because I wanted to stay. I wanted to leave United and even at the end, only for family reasons. Like I say, I will die for this club. And, you know, the Grunman staff, they, they laugh about it. But I say, even if I have to become the Gronman staff, I will do it. And I respect that job. Like some of the Gronman staff, I remember when I arrived to Canada, you say, oh, what you say? Our oh, job is shit. I say, I didn't say that. I said just to tell you how much I love the club. I will do the same job yeah. as you're doing and I respect your job. But, you know, I accepted because I was like, he's right. When you show a sign of leaving this massive club, he needs to punish you. And he punished me by giving the album to be it. But I didn't play for Manchester United to be the captain. He gave me the captaincy because he know how much I was like caring about my teammate to doing good. And I always put the team before myself. So it was like the attitude, the determination, the, the, the leadership. But at the end, I was like, you know what? I'm the most happy man. Four years. I'm staying for the club I love. Like, even my agent, they play a big part because the commission was like so big for Madrid. And it wasn't uh, the same for Manchester United. They say, hey, look, Patrice, if you go there, we are going to be richer and you're going to earn more money. But your mentality, your philosophy, your identity is Manchester United. So you have to stay for this club, even if they offer more, more, less money and I was like of course and my choice was really easy when I signed I was the most happy person in the world what did your wife say? Uh, <laughs> I just feel like when you talk, you just say yes like wow yeah she destroyed me but I was happy inside yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you did get to be captain in the, in the League Cup final in 2010 that must have been quite cool
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I and yeah, it was nice. And uh, it, it was crazy to tell you how humble I was. When we won, and I straight away I take the number because I remember Vidic was injured. And I said to the boss, uh, boss, I, I give the, um, you know, I, I, Vidic have to come. And, you know, he said, Patrice, no, you lead the team. Vidic was injured for so many times. You lead the team. You go in and take this trophy up. And I remember I was like so proud because I remember the only picture i have son of a French player Being the captain and, you know, lifting a trophy, it was like Eric Cantona. So that day I feel like Eric Cantona. And I I remember the best feeling is my teammates all proud because being captain, you know, it's nice because the manager, you know, he gave you the the armband. but the most, I will say, happiness is when you see your teammate, they want you to be the captain. And that was like, they were so happy when they see you the trophy. And I was like, wow, so nice.
0: I want to go now from an incredible high whilst wearing the armband for Manchester United to what must've been an incredible low. And I imagine quite isolating at the time. Um, It was all right. I just want to talk about Luis Suarez for a second. I know you said when you were a teenager, people threw bananas at you and that in itself is one absolute horror that is unimaginable to so many people. But to be on the receiving of that from a fellow professional in a game of football, must have hurt, I, I guess, in a totally different way.
1: No, I think people didn't know what's happened behind the scene. And uh, like, like I say, you know, it was during the game uh, VS Liverpool, we are playing very well. I was marking him in the corner kick. And in, in Spanish, he, he, he just said, like, you know, because I, I try to mark him, he said, don't touch me. And don't touch me. I don't, I don't speak with, uh, with a Negro, but in, uh, in English, I don't speak with the N-word. And he didn't, maybe he didn't know I speak Spanish. And I I answered back in Spanish to him. I said, what did you say? And he was like, yeah, you're right. I don't speak with the N word. And from that moment, I remember I was like, and the referee came and he was like, what's happening with you two? What's happening with you two? But he see, he see my eyes change. He said, Patrice, you okay? I said, no, he just like make some racist abuse. He said, okay, 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 we're going to talk later after the game. Keep playing, keep playing. Don't do nothing silly. Don't do nothing silly. But I remember during that game, I was like talking to myself, Patrice, if you punch him now, you know, all the kids around the world, they will see you the bad one because people will even forget what he say about you because during a game, like punching someone. But I was talking to myself, don't do it, do it, don't do it. I was not even focused for the game anymore. Don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. And at the end of the game, of course, like, Sir Alex Ferguson, he see me, like, I was, like, really angry fuming. He said, "Patrice, what's happened? And David De Gea said, no, you know, uh, Suarez makes some racist comment. I, I hear it. And the boss straight away said, "Patrice, okay, let's go. We went to see the, the referee, and we tell him what's happened. So he write everything. And the next day, boom, in the paper, uh, Patrice Sebra being... Uh, because I didn't know, me, I didn't know he would go into the paper. I was, I was thinking he will just like the referee and, you know, Suarez will be banned. Anyway, he go on the paper. Wow. So I received, like Manchester United, the club, I received a lot of freight and letters. Like people say, they were in jail. When we come out in jail, you know, we are Liverpool fan. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family and everything. I've been like for two months, I had security like 24 hours. They were sleeping in front of my house. Everywhere I was going, like the, the car security was following me. So it was like a tough time, but I wasn't scared. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't scared. My family was scared. My brother was scared. My wife, everyone was scared, but I wasn't. And, you know, I was, I was like, but I don't understand why people hate me so much. Then they didn't know yet the truth. But after, when we went... Um, the confrontation with uh, Luis Suarez and he start lying, saying, no, uh, when I say Negro, that's the way I call my friends and stuff like that. But I was like, this is not my name. My name, give me a name. She didn't give me a caller because I understand. I know like some uh, uh, people from South America, when they see a, a player, a black player, they will call him like Nero. And sometimes it's nice or sometimes it's not nice. But anyway, my mom didn't give me, my name is not not a black. Uh, I'm not, uh, my name is not black, it's Patrice Anyway. So we argue, they argue, but Sky has some like some good footage where you can see he actually say it. So at the end, he admitted. They banned them for eight games. He had a, a massive fan. And uh, I remember after that, Liverpool played a game, and we were watching it with the with my teammate, and we see all the players with that shirt and Kenny Douglas, we support Suarez. I was like, wait, this guy is being like banned for eight games for racist abuse. He'd been fined and everything. And they support him like that way. I was like, something is confused, you know? And I was really, I was really, uh, really upset. But when after I did like the Point on Sky and I see like Carragher apologizing himself, like after eight years, I was so surprised. And he was like, Patrice, that day we made a big mistake. I didn't expect that. And I was like, wow, Jamie, this is really touched me. And I'll be honest with you, now I will even like start even respecting more Liverpool as a football club because when this happened, I was really disappointed about the club. I received a letter from the chairman of Liverpool. and my, He sent me an email saying like, we really apologize about what's happening eight, nine years ago. You're more than welcome to come to Liverpool if you need anything. So it really touched me because like you say, you know, it's better like, you know, later than never. But I was like, I was surprised that Liverpool like support that uh, that kind of uh, of attitude. But I was like, you know, when you have those kind of problems, like people around you, they just think you're crying. You know, even when I say that, you will see the report. They will say, "Oh, he's still talking about this." I'm not still talking about that. Uh, I, I name even Suarez player of the year that year. I name him. I, I name him. Uh, I name him like the best striker. I, I, I name him as the best player of the year because I was. Um, uh, I will say, evaluate Suarez on the pitch and know the person he was. So, you know, it was a tough, tough, tough time.
0: Do you think, because even, I mean, this is a podcast to talk about your career, not to talk about the... the...
1: Yeah, but we have, to, we have to say talk about everything, so it's time.
0: Yeah. Um, you just said that people even now will say he's still talking about it. But don't you think it's absolutely right and acceptable that you should talk about it if you want to, because you were on the receiving end of something horrific. Do you think the way the media play it, they play it as like a big drama and in it, you're just a character. And like, as you said, people would say, would say, oh, he's just crying about it. And it's almost like you were in the wrong for pointing out that you were abused as opposed to people pointing the finger where I should have gone.
1: That's exactly what I feel like to be pointed out when you get abused. Because I can do my job. I could like punch him on the pitch. What I will get? Maybe being banned for two years in front of all the kids, all the people like watching the game. That's why when I go to, uh, to the court, I didn't say like, oh, I'm proud to be black. You need to punish him. No. Yeah. I said, I don't know Suarez close enough to know if he's racist or not. The only things he did, maybe to disturb my game, because I was playing well, he used... Some racist abuse. That's it. I will never call Suarez a racist person, but he used some racist, because I don't know him personally. Mm -hmm. And even (laughs) when we played the Champions League final, uh, when I was playing for Juventus, I shake his hand at the corridor. And we talk, you okay? I'm like, I forgive really fast, but I just don't understand when people, when someone is being victim, the media or even the people around, they are, stop crying. I don't cry. I don't need to cry.
2: Would you say that's been the hardest part of your footballing career?
1: Mm, no, more for my family. No, the hardest part, I think it was after the World Cup when we did the strike in 2010. This was a different level. But no, I, I, to be fair, I don't have any hardest part in my life. I feel lucky and everything happened to me. I'm just like, I feel blessed. So it's difficult because when it's hard, that's when I love it. Mm-hmm. that's when my personality, my character, like, when life I'm has like, even getting more like stronger. Yeah. yeah, that's when I'm alive. I don't like, like, when I play a game, I, I won't like a, my manager to come to say, oh, you play a good game. I will like, the, my, the, the, the way Ferguson used to do, I remember one game I was playing so well, the first 45 minutes, we were winning 2-0, and everyone like, was part, you're on fire, you're great, so I came, and I was in the dressing room, and I was like, wow, yeah, I'm playing good, you know, and Ferguson, you know, go quiet. When you go quiet, that's when you're in danger. And he just looked at me. He looked at me and I was like, why is he looking at me? It's really weird. <laughs> and he said, Patrice, are you okay? And me, I was like, yeah, of course I'm okay. He said, why you pass the ball back to Van der Sar? I said, because I didn't have any solution in the front. And boss, it's only one ball. You know, I always play forward. He was like, if you pass ball, if you pass the ball against Edwin... I take you out. And I was like, I look at him, I say, maybe, you know, maybe it's a prank, maybe it's a joke, like, I don't know what he's talking about. And actually, he stopped like shouting and everything. And I didn't say nothing. We won 4 0. The next day, I went to his office and I said, Boss, what's happened yesterday? You were the one. He said, But Patrice, you play one of the best games I ever see you play since you play for United. But the things, it's like some player were doing, start doing some skill, trying to mix people. So because I know you can take it, I shout on you to, to send a message to your teammate. And I was like, wow, boss, really? And he <laughs> started laughing. He said, get out of my office. You know how much I love you. <laughs> so that's the kind of relation, yeah, with, with Ferguson, yeah.
2: You clearly both had a very close relationship and it was very clear to see that. How did you feel personally when he announced that he was stepping down? Or I think people started to hear rumours right before he announced it. So how did you feel?
1: You know, you know, you tell about the hardest, hardest moment. I will say maybe this is the one mm-hmm. because uh, two weeks before that, I remember it was a lot of uh, media saying Ferguson will maybe retire next year or in the, and he said, Patrice, I will never retire. I will be another 10 years. And he said, my target is like 99%. We're going to have Cristiano Ronaldo and Garrett Bell. I just need these two players to win again the Champions League, but 99%. And to be fair, when I speak with Cristiano, I ask him, he said like, he, he, he yes to the boss. He was like coming to join United. And um, so he told me this after two weeks. I remember we were in the dressing room waiting. And uh, when we arrive at Carrington, I see all those, those cameras and I was like, wow, something I've done, someone I've done something wrong. Maybe a player <laughs> is a story again. You know, someone have done something wrong. We are in trouble. But we arrive, and uh, people say, I think Baz say, guys, you have to stay in the dressing room because the boss wants to have a chat. And when the boss come in the dressing room to talk to everyone, it's never a good news. And he came and he said, uh, I'm really sorry. Uh, some, some people have said, I'm going to retire. Before, even before I, I even uh, say it myself, that's why you saw all those cameras, but I will retire because my wife needs me. He apologized to uh, Van Persie. He apologized to Sinji because he just bring them. He apologized to them, uh, especially. And I, could, I just couldn't believe. I, I think he was like a prank again. And I remember driving home you know when you drive, but you're not you not here. I was like just thinking, but yeah. well, this is real. Like he's leaving. My oh, wife said, "What's happened?" I said, "Just like I said, he's retired." I said, "Oh, best news! Now I know next year we're leaving." And I said, "I'm not playing for for Ferguson. I'm playing for for the club. I'm playing for the badge, for the fan, and playing for the, the boss and my teammates. So this won't be like the reason why I will leave, uh, uh, you know, Manchester United." But it was uh, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a tough day was tough there because my philosophy as well with Ferguson i never been scared of Sir Alex Ferguson but I've always been scared to disappoint him hmm. like to play in a bad game or stuff like that to let him down
2: Did you feel the same way amazing? Is that how you felt playing under him?
1: Yeah it is
3: his standards as soon as you walk through that door Patrice will tell you there's a way Manchester United play you have to play to entertain if you don't hit them, them levels one you're letting the fans down yeah. Two, you're letting your teammates down, and three you're letting the gaffer down exactly and and every time you went out on a pitch, it would it, the probably last two or three things he'd say go out and enjoy yourselves, but entertain yeah entertainment yeah, yeah it was brilliant it, it It didn't have to say a lot of times sometimes just the look and you'd know mm-hmm. the look in his eyes, the hunger in his eyes oh yeah. And instilled that in every single player that joined the club. No, exactly.
1: Like even like I remember like a game like when I know the Arsenal fan when I called them babies is like just sometime when we are playing against Arsenal and it was Sunday, it was sunny, and I promise you the speech of Ferguson was like fifteen seconds. It was like guys, it's Sunday, it's really sun, it's really sunny outside. I don't want no one to my Sunday, and that's it. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know if you if you miss the cross or something you don't want to be the person to do that <laughs> no you'll be, yeah you gotta don't really Sunday. It. it's very really important <laughs> for him.
0: did you celebrate um, that 13th league title the club's 13th Premier League title more because you knew that was the last one with him
1: yeah he was special because he was special I remember because um, I was the captain because Didic uh, was still injured and uh, I think someone of the club is like for the um, first time, can you ask you and uh, Nemanja to take the cup together and give it to, uh, to Sir Alex Ferguson? But it was so nice or, like, to see him like holding this trophy. And I was like, I was sad. I was, it was nice. But in the same time, I was like, yo, that's it. It's getting real. Like, he's living for real. Until David Moyes being appointed, I was still believe like Ferguson... Will come back. I'll come back. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting like to like to retire for good.
0: There's probably not a lot of highlights from that year that you had with David Moyes, which was obviously your final year at United. But there was the incredible goal against Bayern Munich that we got to celebrate for about 20 seconds.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a crazy story about that goal um, because I remember the day before because I'm really attached to the to the history of the club. We went uh, where the um, you know, the Bursley Blaine crash, you know, we went exactly where did he crash? The memorial, yeah. Yeah, memorial, we went there. And I remember I pray a lot and I, the, the, we went, I went back to my room and I always play in the morning and pray in the, in the evening, you know, to text to be alive and everyone is okay not to play in a good game or to score a goal. And I was just like speaking to myself, I say, I hope tomorrow, I will play a good game for the Basely Bay. I dedicate my game for the base Bay. That's why when I score that rocket, I always dedicate that goal to them because they scored that goal, not me. And he was like, yeah, so special, but he ended up after 27 minutes and they scored a the goal, but massive disappointment. But I was like, wow, you know, the connection, he was like so strong with this club Then even you know, when I asked something, it, it happened. Playing a good game, I didn't ask to score that goal. Yeah. But yeah, I play. I really played this game for the Busby Bay. That's beautiful. And no, for 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 the for, to be qualified, not to win against Bayern Munich. I say, Patrice, play that game. I want like the Busby Bay to see you up from the sky to be proud of. It. Brilliant.
2: When you were at Manchester United, Patrice, you really ingrained yourself in the club and learnt all about the history. Were you like that at every club that you've been to or was there just something special about United that you wanted to?
1: No, I, I'll be honest with you. Is, uh, I did it with Manchester United uh, because, like I say, like, even I'm surprised. You know, some kids, uh, Roy Keane came, I have a speech with them. Some kids, they didn't know who was Roy Keane. And those things, I don't want those things to happen. That's why I say to those kids, watch some DVD, read some book. So you will see this person when he's entered this building, you know what that player, what that person has done for the club. You know, every time I was shaking the hands of Bobby Shelton, I feel something. And every time I saw him in the plane, traveling with us, when I know what's happening with all his ex-teammate, I was like, this person is a miracle. But maybe some kids, even, and it's not an excuse, even if they are like six, seven, when they play for this club, they need to know every person working for this club. And this is really important. I say, you don't have any excuse. Just watch some DVD like I did. And it's really important. That's why I know every time I was putting this shirt on, and I know how many people have wear this shirt and want and respect the tradition, the philosophy. I was like, I can't let down those people. When you play for Manchester United, it's not for you. You don't use Manchester United on, because you're a United player, so you're famous, you use it on social media. No, you play for United because you have to give to those people. You know, I gave you one example when we were in pre-season and before we came in the bus, we were really tired, I'll be honest with you, and it was a queue of fun. And the player we like, when no one no sign, no one has to sign. So we went straight to the bus, everyone. <laughs> and I look at the window and I see Sir Alex Ferguson signing each autograph. I swear he must sign for, I will say, like 45 minutes. He was signing everyone. I say, guys, when the bus come on in the bus, we are, we are done. And he came in the bus, he gave us like an air dryer. Like, what the hell do you think you are? Those people are pay your salary, those people are coming to watch you. Now get the down and sign. And we had to sign each each fan. But that's the mentality. Mm. And you know, you know, when you know when you score two goals, like you said, right? When you score two goals, it was like you need to score another one and another one because entertainment, if you have to destroy a team 10-nil. You need to destroy them 10-0. He said, that's the way you show a respect. He said, if you start doing skill and stuff, time to be funny, they're going to tackle you and that's when you disrespect them. So make sure you're scoring goal many as you can because that's the way you're going to show them you respect them. Perfectly said.
0: It's amazing.
1: Perfect. It's
2: an incredible story.
0: Yeah.
2: When Sir Alex left the club, did you think inside, okay, my time is going to be up in the next couple of years?
1: No, no, because I was like, the, the club is everything. I was like, maybe now it's us to introduce to the new player, to the new manager, the United DNA, the philosophy, you know, the respect, the family. So it was a it was a really tough time. Mm-hmm. It's not this, it's a massive family reason. And that's it. That's the only reason is for a family reason. And it's nothing about the club, because even uh, the club offered me like two years contract but it was too late because I already say yes to Juventus and I already say to people in my family, OK, this time, for the first time, I won't make um, a decision myself. I will listen to you guys. I will leave. But it was one of the massive regrets of my life. Even if I've been successful with Juventus, I was still playing on the top. And I remember I called my agent after the, when I left and the first 10 game, Man United was struggling. I think they were even in the relegated zone. And my agent say, wow, Patrice, you, you see, we did the right things. I said, say, I say, you know what? Even if we got relegated, I prefer to get relegated with Man United than win the league with Juventus. And that's when he know I was so much attached. And it was, a, I had like in Juventus, like three months when I was in depression, but you can't see the depression on me because I'm always positive, always happy. But actually it was like, when I was finished again, with Juventus, I was looking at myself, what I'm doing here. I look myself in the mirror with the new T-shirt. I couldn't believe it. it. was, like, so good. And I have, like, some of... I've got two years and a half in Juventus, one of my best years. It was amazing. But it's just the fact, like, United. I couldn't leave United.
2: You still think about that, how much of a regret that was for you?
1: Yeah, because I remember even when we went to, to the... We reached the final of Champions League, Uh, My wife said, oh, now you see, you should say thanks to us. Like I was like, listen, even if I win three Champions League, my dream was, my goal was to end up my career for Manchester United. Good moment, bad moment. That's why when people were laughing about Man United, and I was like, I want to be there. I want to help my club. I don't want the, I always call Man United the Titanic. And I say to my agent, when the Titanic falls, I want to be the Leonardo DiCaprio. I want to be there. And that's the way I was talking about United.
0: You're better off being Rose. He dies. I know.
1: I'm still alive. <laughs> uh,
0: one thing we sort of re- we found out was a fact that we didn't know when we were researching for this, is that you have a record that I suspect you don't want because you just mentioned getting to the Champions League final with uh, Juventus is that I think you've lost more Champions League finals than anybody else, which is sort of amazing because, I mean, you've played in five, which is incredible. Yeah. But also not all great.
1: No, of course. And you know what? I speak with Clarence Sidoff because the thing is like, I think only, we are only five players to reach five finals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No matter if you win them or you lose them. But I remember when I speak with Clarence Sidoff and, uh, you know, when I lose again, when I was with Juve, he was like, but Patrice, you reach those final and, but I'm not, a, I'm not a loser. I don't like to be second. I like to be first. So, of course, it's a massive disappointment. But after, when I look how many trophies I won and lost four final and still win Champions League, I'm like, you know, it's a massive achievement. But as a winner... Of course, it's a disappointment. I don't want to be like the only player who lose like four, four Champions League finals.
2: <laughs> when you reflect on your career, you, you retired, obviously, and you reflect on your career. Do you look back and think that was pretty good? Or do you think about the things that you didn't win?
1: No, I think like, uh, I don't have any regret. Like, uh, I speak with um, Yoki, and he said like, you know, some player when they retire, they go in depression, they, they regret it. But I enjoy so much every moment. Then right now, I'm such an happy person. Then, of course, I want things to be different. Of course, I want to, to have like five Champions League medals. But at the end, did, maybe having this, maybe I won't have those 21 trophies. I don't know. So this is destiny. This is destiny. And like I say, I was uh, a guy like begging on the street and to to, to to become like a, a, a united Legion and stuff like that. What do you want me to regret apart for being happy and feeling blessed and I wish people to have the same career?
0: Are you enjoying retirement? Because you, from what I've seen online, it seems like you're in great shape. Do you not fancy America or something?
1: No, this is me. No, but I have my fitness program. You know, I'm doing my fitness program mm-hmm. and a lot of people download it and they see like the, the benefit of it. No, it's just me, myself. I'm someone like, even when we had holiday and I was still playing, I remember I, taught, I talked with the fitness coach because it was a problem. Because when I was in holiday, they asked you to have like, at least like one week rest and start walking gradually. So when you come for the pre-season, you're not coming with overweight, you know, stuff like that. But me, after two days doing nothing, I feel guilty. And I was training. And sometime I was like getting back even fitter than I was supposed to be. And in December, I was feeling even tired because I put like so much energy. And even when the player, they were feeling good, me, I was feeling tired because I didn't have enough rest in holiday. So it's just like naturally, like I, before that phone call, I was in the gym, I was doing my, my work. So it's something just came natural. I think I just feel blessed, like to be able to work. Like people say like, yeah, it's difficult. I just enjoy it. I enjoy the pain. So anyway, it's fine.
2: And what are you enjoying now? Is it coaching badges? Is that what you, you really want to do?
1: I'm surprised because I am enjoying my, my coach badges. And of course, the corona stopped everything. I finished my B license. I was going to do the A license with, uh, with Ashley Cole here in Chelsea. And uh, yeah, he stopped everything. But I love working with kids. And you know, you, you exchange some different ideas. And it's such a different, uh, I would say, role being a manager. Because when you're some player, you know, they think because you have a biggest guy here and you're going to be a tough manager. But no, you're back from zero. You know, as a, as a player, of course, you win this. But as a manager, what they have done, nothing. Which experience, nothing. So I start from the beginning, from zero. And that's why, you know, I spend like many hours with kids and doing my stuff. But it's, it's so nice and I enjoy it. Because like I say, if you want to become like a great manager, you need to start from zero and forget the player you were. Like I remember some inspector and stuff, they were like, oh, Patrice, no, but we try to be nice because, you know, you, but I'm like, hey, I'm nobody. Treat me the same way you're treating the other player.
2: And which club would you like to manage, Patrice? Is there only one club for you?
1: It's not like you will laugh. I will will be able... I want to manage no matter... I don't put any goals. I'm someone in my life. Mm -hmm. I never put any goal because when sometimes you put some goal, when you don't reach them, what's the first thing? You get disappointed. So I don't put any goal. I'm living the present. I'm someone, you know, I'm living the present. I'm not living in the future because if you live in the future, you will live with anxiety. And if you live with the, uh, with the past, you will live with regret. So I'm just living the present. The present, I'm doing a podcast with you guys. I'm having fun. We have a nice chat. That's where I am right now. To say which team I, will t- I want to, um, to coach, I don't know. I will take what uh, the universe gave it to me. <laughs> Beautiful.
2: Good answer. If you could go back and relive one uh, United moment, what would that be?
1: <laughs> My first game. My first game, because that's why people ask me, What is your best memory? And they expect me to say, to, No, but I will say the, the Derby, the first game, because everything was new. I received a big slap on my face. I think I was a big <laughs> player. And my, my agent, to don't like, to don't believe in myself anymore in front of his wife, Ferguson giving me the hair dryer, it just made me realize, man, you will have to work really hard here if you want to become a United player. So that's the moment I want to. to to revive because it was a hard moment but such a positive moment such a positive incredible moment
2: incredible career absolutely incredible career
0: <laughs> now, Patrice which was the team you most enjoyed beating oh Arsenal okay
1: Arsenal but but yeah but without without disrespect without disrespect no wait 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 no 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 so I will tell you my my philosophy I was like Manchester City Winning against Manchester City was like winning against the neighbour, like they're making noise, you just win and it's a game. Winning against Chelsea, it was like you're going to win the league because I think Chelsea was the, the only team looking exactly like us. I mean, like personality, character, strength, powerful speed. I will say Chelsea. And when I was winning, I think the best feeling is winning in, uh, at Anfield against Liverpool. that's that's the best feeling. But the worst feeling is when you lose at Anfield. And Mice, you know, when you lose at Anfield, I swear, you feel like someone died for at least two weeks. And the manager doesn't speak mm-hmm. to you anyway. The boss, when you lose at Anfield, Ferguson will pass you maybe for three <laughs> days. I'm not sure you're going to have an eye. Are you okay? No. So, and Arsenal, I just feel like, that's why people think I was like arrogant with Arsenal. It's just like, you know your lucky team when you know you're going to play every time your best game I remember when Van Persie came, he said, Patrice, come on, you have to motivate everyone. You know, it's an important game. I was like, Robin, don't worry. Those are my kids. We're going to win easy. And we won. You know, you remember, I think it's after the, the Champions League game, I make that comment when we won 3-0 in uh, Emirates. You remember when we scored that great goal in counter-attack with Jason Park, uh, Rune and Ronaldo. And the French journalist was really, after the game, he was like, oh, the result that doesn't reflect the philosophy of the game. I was like, are you serious? I just feel today it was like 11 men against 11 babies. He went like natural. But after that, he went like, you know, in a paper, Patrice calling uh, Arsenal babies and stuff. But it's just like my, the feeling I respect so much this club. I don't want to respect this club, but it was just my feeling when I play against them. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to win and I'll be honest with you, I play against player. After 34 minutes, they were asking, Patrice, can we swap shirt in half-time? So I was like, I already won the game.
0: Yeah, amazing. Wow. Uh, I've, got, I've got a big question for you now, Patrice. Last week on the podcast, we had Paul Scholes and we had Marcus Rashford at the same time. And their challenge was, Scholesy had to pick a five-a-side team using Marcus's teammates or players he's played with. And... Wow. Uh Marcus Rashford had to pick a five a side team using players that Paul Scholes had played with. Okay. So would you like to come and do that next time you're free? And if so, which player would you pick to be the one you do it with?
1: Wow, you're gonna make people jealous. The problem is like I love every <laughs> players and uh Yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe I think with Paul he will be funny. Yeah. With Paul will be funny. I can do it, uh I can do it with James as well. I love the James attitude, you know, especially when he scored his first goal. It was a long time I didn't see a United player celebrating, like, with his heart, you know, with the passion. You can see that that goal because I know he knows his dad. And Mm -hmm. I I remember I didn't care about the goal. I just look at the celebration and I was like, wow. And when I saw him, I was like, thank you for that because that day you give me goosebumps. And it's a long time I didn't see a player celebrating, like, you know, like with those kind of passion.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, next time you're free, we'll sort
2: that out. I know, guys. I know. We could have done so many more hours, Patrice, but I thank know. you I so much. For... To
1: say, so much to say, but now <laughs> I need to get back to my normal life.
2: Tell us just quickly before we go, when can people expect to see your book out? When will you be finished that process?
1: Uh, not yet. I'm just like, it's ready. My book is ready. It's already like one year ago. It was supposed to, to be out like a year ago. But I just need to fix some uh, things with the lawyers and stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah. But it's a good book. It's not like any, it's just like, I hope this book will be at school to motivate kids like for their dream, you know, to believe like no matter what, you can achieve many things. And uh, it's more like a motivation book. It's not like any drama, any, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people make book and they talk bad about this person. I know if I need to talk bad about one person, I do it during my time when I was playing. No, now when it's over, like a co no, not not yeah. that kind of person. Yeah. It's just like tell you like the stuff I tell you, motivate uh, people, crazy story. I think if you, re- if you, if you read it, you're going to cry more. So don't read oh, it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no. it's some tough, tough part of my, uh, my childhood. So some stuff I never say. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great book. Fantastic.
0: Look forward to it. Um, just quickly, who of your former teammates would you recommend we get on that have, would have some really good stories?
1: Wow, the things is like we have story every day because we have a WhatsApp group where mm-hmm. we speak every single day each other. Like the the, the player you see in two thousand eight, we are in contact. We have a WhatsApp group, and that's why I mean about this uh, this club is it, like this team was bigger than the team. It was a family, and you can see even today we have a WhatsApp group. We make some jokes every day. We still in contact, no matter no matter what, because we we are a family. But which player will pick? To have some good story? Oh, it's, it's not easy. I probably... Rio, Rio have a lot of... Fletch. Fletcher have a lot of story. Darren Fletcher.
0: Yeah, we had, we had uh, Darren on. He was amazing.
1: What about G? Yeah, G is shy. G is shy. G is really shy. But <laughs> yeah, G... I have a lot of story with G too. But uh, if you want many stories, I don't think G would be the right guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay.
2: All right. Patrice, thank you so so much for your time. That was incredible.
3: Thanks, Patrice. Brilliant. Thank,
1: thank you. you so much. Bye. You're welcome, guys. Okay, enjoy your life and don't forget to love this game, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Have a nice day.
2: Thank you, you too Bye. Take care, pop.
1: Bye-bye.
2: Bye <sighs> bye.
0: How good was that? <sighs> incredible. Brilliant. I should take it. I just just taking it all in, Maisie. It's alright for you. You know loads of footballers. You see them all the time. <laughs> well, you ask Gold's
3: his best mate? Are you Patrice's best mate now?
0: I think I am. I think we're locked down by Has changed? Then. Yeah, we're going to uh, get on Kahoot and do a quiz. <laughs> Sam
2: just thinks that whoever we interview is now his best friend. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're my friends. I don't know why you're trying to spoil friends, it. Friends. Friends. They get, honestly, they get
0: really clingy. It's anyway, that
2: was just, well, we expected it to be good, but that was better than good, wasn't it?
0: I think we were the, there was a benefit because we were in because of the situation that we're in right now. Because sometimes we we'll go and sit down with a player, and you get half an hour or an hour because they've got stuff to do in their lives. But right now, no one's got anywhere to go. So I think we got the benefit of that and got so much more uh, time than we might have otherwise. Brilliant.
2: Yeah, but I think Patrice is just like that. He's so giving. I think. Yeah. If you interviewed him and he did have things to do, he would just sit there and talk to you all day because he's just such a happy guy, isn't he?
0: He made you sad, though, Helen.
2: He did make me sad. I really was expecting to be, like... Well, I was so happy after the podcast, but I just felt that was really emotional. Like, his story... It just really, really got to me. The last time I cried, I think, was Lou Macari's. I didn't think I would cry in another one, but that was really emotional. Did you guys think it was too? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's real. But also, he... Such a tough yeah.
2: life on the streets begging. Like, it's just so sad, but...
0: He deals with it all so so well, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, he really gets strength from it, doesn't he? And you yeah. can see that yeah. in the pitch. He said that himself. Yeah. Such a strong character.
3: Yeah. I think you could throw anything at him and you know he'll bounce back. Yeah. Because, as Alan just touched a you know, when his brother's working at McDonald's and he's going yeah, having to go late on to get some food off him or begging in front of shops. Wow, you just can't imagine.
2: No, you can't imagine it, that's you, the
0: thing. No. Yeah. Although we see it
2: Yeah. To be in that position, you don't know, we don't know how that feels.
0: No, no. Imagine that. Imagine imagine next time you're walking down the street. Just think, next time you're walking down the street and you see someone some young someone young and they're sat there and they've got nothing, you think that was Patrice Severe. Yeah. Yeah. Anything could happen for those in theory,
3: yeah, you know, would that kid turn around and play in a World Cup, win European, yeah. you know, Champions Leagues, there, Premier Leagues, yeah, amazing, uh, absolutely
2: incredible,
3: amazing story, wow,
2: he's so inspirational,
0: yeah,
3: that's the best we've done, mm-hmm. that is the best podcast we've done,
0: yeah, that was amazing, it is, it was so good. Uh, speaking of the of uh, the best we've done, we've got some feedback, guys. Yep, we've been sent some oh, emails is again. It so we were... Is that all good? It's mostly good, Maisie. It's, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> uh, I'll read a few of them out. If you want to send some we only yourself... only
2: pack the good ones, don't be silly. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can send them to United Podcast at manunited.co.uk. Um, so this is from Liam Campbell, who says, Hi Sam, Helen and Maisie. Just want to say that I love listening to the podcast and especially the way you present it and contrast between the upbeat Helen and Sam and the Dawa Maisie. And then he puts in brackets, only joking, amazing. Love listening to the ex players from my childhood, e.g., Robbo, Whiteside, and Makari. So many memories brought back. Just want to say, keep up the excellent work. I would love to hear a future podcast from maybe Lee, Lee Martin, Kevin Moran, or Rude Van Nistelrooy. Kind regards, Liam Campbell. Thank you, Liam. I'd love to get Rude on. Oh, yeah,
2: that would be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, Amy Whelan said, Hi Sam, Helen and David, thank you so much for all your podcasts. I have cerebral palsy and epilepsy. Recently I've had two major relapses with my epilepsy, as I've had two seizures, and to stay focused and happy and relaxed, I listen to your podcasts each day. Paul and Peters, I've listened numerous times too, and David's was fantastic too. Thank you so much for helping me and my mental health. I would just like to say thanks and also mention Nikki, but would be a fantastic podcast guest when you can podcast again. Thank you very much, Amy. I'm so glad to hear uh, that you're listening to our podcasts and they're helping you.
0: Yeah absolutely thank you Amy um, I've got a cool one here Maisie I like this is, this is uh, from Wai Lim who says hi team first up really love the podcast I listen to all of them uh, I thought of sharing a rare find at a charity shop known as an op shop in this part of the world it's a pillowcase with the names of Man United players on from past and present and it features a certain David May aww uh, I've attached a picture here so you should be able to see it there's Whiteside Cantona Gig Skulls plus a host of other names that I'm not as familiar with so here." you are something for the bedroom um not too sure about the product being properly licensed though all the best teams stay safe <laughs> thank you soon that's really cool love that Well, lovely picture yeah it's cool lovely. isn't it that's cool
2: uh gary ogden said hi guys thanks for the fantastic show i've been a united supporter since the early 80s and enjoy listening to old and current players keep up the good work Thanks, Gary. Thank you very much indeed. And Joanna says, here's a note to say, I'm enjoying your podcasts. I've only just discovered them thanks to a recommendation on a United Forum. I'd love to hear you do a podcast with the greatest manager of all time, Sir Alex. He must have so many stories to tell and I'd find him so interesting to listen to as he did so much for the club, so it would be great to have him featured. I'd also, um, out of the current players, find Rashford and Dan James interesting to feature as well thanks again thank you very much
0: It'd be great to have sir alex wouldn't it
2: i know i i i think that would probably be like a 10 part episode that would just be a series
0: yeah oh, i shook his hand once and that was pretty exciting was he your best mate then sam <laughs> <laughs> oh my god when we were for that brief second we were holding hands we were we were the best friends in the world <laughs> and he was thinking friends. who is this guy Will you let go of me? (laughs) Uh, I've got one here, guys, from Mike Sam, who says, Hi, Sam, Helen, and David May, Superstar. I first started with Big Pete's podcast, and I fell in love with the show immediately. I love the dynamics and the banter. I love how real the conversations are, especially when Maisie is in, because he has that player connection and is able to relate with many of the players. As I'm in Asia and never had a chance to visit Old Trafford, I never knew the insides, what's the cliff, or how certain sites and towns are up the road or across the river, or why rivalries matter. I listen to all the podcasts and waiting for each and everyone hope to hear at least a hi from you guys hi mike sam it's weird the podcast makes it feel that these players are closer than i first believed thanks the number one fan in malaysia mike sam
2: oh i love that one thank you so much
0: yeah it was really cool
3: yes mikey sam shout out to you there yeah number one malaysia fan
2: yeah shout out to you personally there too amazing and it's
3: actually it's actually cities not sites. just let you know that sam what did i say you said sites did i it's actually cities oh yeah That's me, Tell. Yeah, I
0: apologize. Thank you
2: so much for all (laughs) all of your emails. you can get in touch with us in the usual way if you do want to email unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk podcast at manunited.co.uk so do give us a shout if you want to have a little word with us. That is it for this week's episode. We'll be back with another isolation podcast for you next week. And as always, we'd really appreciate if you could rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will see you again next time.
0: Stay safe. Bye.
2: Bye Bye-bye.